Hello, this is Eric with Dungeons and Tangents. You are tuning in to one of the early episodes of this podcast, so I wanted to make sure you know the quality of these early episodes is inferior to later episodes. I recommend checking out episode 14 or later. It's around that time that we really get our process figured out. If you're listening to this early material, I hope you forgive us for our learning curve, and thank you very much for listening. Welcome to Dungeon Tangents. I'm Robert. And I'm Eric. And this episode, uh, we're going to be talking about Castlevania, which has next to nothing to do with D&D, but uh, it's worth talking about. To me, it speaks to my inner gamer, so I think it's very much so related. And this is a little bit weird for us, since we're not used to talking about this kind of thing, but uh, I really enjoyed it, the, the show. Uh, I was worried about it, and then when I saw it, I was like, oh, this looks really good. I'm really excited about it. Well, before we get into it, we should probably explain for anybody who doesn't know. First off, Castlevania was originally a video game. It started in 1986, is that right? Yeah, 1986 was the first Castlevania. Just three weeks ago, or a number of weeks ago, Netflix released a uh, anime-style four-episode series based on the video games, and it's the first animated series that's mm-hmm. ever been created for Castlevania before. And before we move any further, what we should say is that we're going to talk about what happens in the show. Oh, yes. If you so, haven't seen it, stop. Stop spoilers. listening to us. Yeah, we're going to spoil the shit out of everything that happens in the show. So do not listen to us if you haven't This seen is a it spoiler already. cast. Yeah. I thought it was really cool. I liked the art. I, liked the, I really liked the music. The voice acting was good. It took an, enough of its own direction to be its, kind of its own thing, while at the same time... It was really obvious that it was trying to make a point that it was in the Castlevania kind of canon. Um, one of the first things you see is a location and a date, which I don't know why. I always love that. It tries to make sure that it is true to the material while still trying to be its own thing. Yeah, I have expected that it was just going to be its own thing and just say, we're going to have vampires and we're going to have somebody who's hunting them and that's it. Right, and people know the name Castlevania, so we're gonna right. get, we're gonna grab that demographic, right? Kind of like when I was a kid on Saturday morning, I used to watch the, like the Zelda cartoon, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed it. But I was also as a kid sitting there like that's not how it happens, not, <laughs> you know? Like that's not how that works. That's not what happens in the game. So they did a really good job of kind of staying true to the, that material in it, uh, and it opens up with just Lisa walking up to this castle, knocking on the door. And basically, uh, flicking Dracula some shit, which I also it's a very cold start. Just introducing the main characters, two of the main mm-hmm. characters, right off the bat. No, no BS. Just Dracula and, and Lisa, who became uh, Dracula's wife. But probably get married. Um, and from a cold start to just killing somebody off immediately, because um, the next scene is her being burned at the stake. Yeah. What happens here is you're going to get the reason why Dracula goes batshit crazy. He's very kind of humanized, you know, in in the beginning. He has a reason for his actions, even if his actions are exaggerated. Right. But in the beginning, he's he's just kind of a hermit. And then, you know, he he falls in love with this human, uh, and then she gets burned at the stake. And what we see is this bishop 
saying I, we, we found her with all of these um, little shit. We need to take a step backwards. She goes to Dracula to learn science. Right. Um, and so he shows her all of these wondrous things, these, you know, mechanical, you know, contraptions, telescopes, stuff like that. And then fast forward a year later, or no, I'm sorry, fast forward 20 years later, and there's this bishop who found all of these, you know, scientific equipment in her home and says they were witches' things, right? Yeah. Um, and that's why she's being burned at the stake. Um, and Dracula, fortunately, but of course, is off on business or whatever the hell he's doing while this is happening and just happens to be coming back at just the right time. This is the reason why things kind of go off the rails for everybody who's not Dracula or a handful of other people because... Yes. Well, he comes back, and as soon as he comes back, he sees that Lisa's been burned at a stake. Well, he comes back to his house and burned the ground. That's right. It's how, how the lady comes well. and says, I wasn't going to watch. She's been, and you know, so where, where is she being held? Like, oh, no, she's not being held. She's being burned, like, right now. Uh, he turns into fire, essentially, and he zips over to where it's happening. And then he basically explodes into life right as his wife crumbles into ashes and says, you're all fucked. And uh, you've got a year to get your shit together. Uh, and then I'm coming back. Effectively, get out now, yeah. or I'm going to come back in a in a year and kill everything that is human. I believe he uses, which seems really weird to me yeah. watching it. Like, why, why, why I just do it now and in, 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 <laughs> yeah. in a year from now, right? Yeah. But you, he immediately goes back, and what you, what you find out is what well, it's going to take a year for me to basically gather an army. That's right. He does and that's say what, that. He doesn't say that to them. He's like, no. I'm, I'm giving you a year. I'm trying to be cool, you know. But you're screwed. But the real reason is he's got he needs a year to basically pull an army out of the depths of hell to exact his revenge. And then it's a year later. It's just bang, bang, bang. Yeah, it's all the major. This is all in that first episode. It really tries to establish some things. And this is uh, 1476, and that's important because that is in the game timeline. That is when Castlevania Three takes place. Right. Yeah, we speed up one year later, and it's a bunch of people gathered outside of the church. Uh, the archbishop comes out, not the person who burned uh, Lisa at the stake, somebody else. It's like, hey, you know. He's effectively touting the fact that it's a year later and nothing's happening. Uh, we're all safe. Right. He's basically had to like, try to do something, right? <laughs> uh, which wasn't great. wasn't smart on his part. But really celebrating the fact that it's been a year later, nothing happened. And, yep. you know, look at us. We got away with it. Um, and as he's saying this, the, the sky is getting dark, and he, it's just obvious that it's not going to be his day. And then Dracula, again, explodes in fire. But this time, he's basically has this army of little, like, demon infants that just fall, rain from the sky, and eviscerate everything in their path. It is pretty brutal. Yeah. I enjoyed yeah. it quite a bit. One thing that this show does a really good job of is it doesn't pull any punches whatsoever as far as the graphic violence. Or like if you if you did have a monster from the depths of hell, it would eat people. And that's what it would look like. We can't really stress enough. This is not a show for kids. No. Um, this is a show for people who grew up with the game, enjoy the game, and aren't afraid to see some, you know, an- an- anime violence where... You know, demons eat people and stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's practically equivalent to Akira-style violence. Yeah, I can't, yeah. So I guess what I'm saying is uh, I, I really enjoyed the show. Might not be for everybody. <laughs> Take that under advisement. Yeah. Yeah, just all hell breaks out 
in the village, and, and that's kind of it that's the end of that scene. scene. Yeah. And then they cut to inside of a tavern where there's a couple farmers. Yeah, very graphic conversation about livestock and certain sexual proclivities. Again, not for kids. Right. Uh, but seated next to them is Trevor Belmont. So halfway through the conversation, somebody bursts in and says, the horde, we've spotted the horde, coming in. That's right. And the person who's doing most talking says, well, it's, the, it's all of the old family's fault. It's, 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 you know, the lords, all of that. It's not just Dracula. It's in, and it's something they said of, it's the damn Belmonts, right? We should have killed them all when we had a chance. And then we pan over to, to Trevor, and it's like, ah, oh, damn it. This is not going to be, this is not going to go out the way I wanted to. I just wanted to have a drink and, and, and pass out. That's the end of that episode. Yeah, uh, there's a brief altercation between Trevor and the people in the bar, but... That's episode two. Oh, oh. It just it ends with him like, shit, and that's it. Okay, I forgot that. Yeah. Um, and then it starts up in the second episode of him wanting to pay his tab and basically get out. And, and they see the they Belmont see cross on, on, his, exactly. uh, on his tunic. And then a fight ensues. This, for me, I think we have a difference of opinion here. For me, he seems a little goofy. Like they really try to make it very lighthearted for him and his dialogue, the tone of Trevor Belmont. Um, he kind of plays around and all of that, and it gets very serious later. For me, there's a disconnect in that there's no there's no transition, there's no evolution for him. That he just goes from goofy straight to serious, um, and it felt weird know. to me. Yeah, he he definitely is sort of I don't care. I think that's to me that. The difference in his character and the would-be character arc, it's a very short arc. He doesn't care about things. He doesn't want to help people. That comes across as this irreverence, this like, eh, whatever. Until something uh, in episode three happens when he finally feels, or maybe maybe it is uh, near the end of episode two, where he's like, okay, I guess I'm going to be the hero. He's definitely the reluctant hero the whole time. It, yeah, it just kind of, it felt, it didn't even feel rushed. It just felt like the, uh, a switch was flipped. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. And it was, it was suddenly a different character. I guess you could say that there, I, I can't put my finger on where, why the switch flips. There are characters in other stories that something flips their switch and it's not, uh, it's not out of character. It just happens to be that there's one thing that really gets them interested in being the hero. And usually, for me, that it's it's that one thing that all of a sudden makes them a little bit relatable, hmm. right? It's like I can see why this would you know make you change what you're doing or upset you or whatever. And there's yeah, I, I, I can't remember that moment. No, in this, but also this this is a very dense series, right? A lot happens in a very short amount of time. Yeah. Um, so from from a writing point of view, they may have kind of they slimmed it down and cut out some of those motivators for him just so they could get the plot moving yeah and I have a great appreciation for the fact that there's no filler in this no something's constantly happening yep um I I always like that I don't need to see 200 episodes of something for (laughs) the next thing to happen right episode 2 we start up in that tavern there's a fight and then he basically leaves, passes out, and he wakes up just outside of the the town or city of Gresset. To kind of set the tone, he wakes up and he sees it, and it's this walled city. And the first thing he sees is this demon hopping the fence, carrying like a, an infant. 
and then it switches to this scene of this woman waking up next to her dead husband screaming and then it quick switches to screaming over this empty bloody cradle so it's not again there's not pulling the punches this is pretty dark but it sets the tone of like bad things are happening and aggressive it's not it's a place you want to be and with that in mind he just kind of walks towards it and says I want some breakfast and that's it and he actually has to sneak into town um, he has to like break in because it's, it's all walled up and there's guards posted out there uh, who are sleeping on the job so he just kind of walks past them but it's a it's a dark time in, in the city of Gresset which is important because as he's going through town everybody is very you know demoralized you come to find out the church is using that to manipulate the people of Gresset I was going to say that yeah the church has become sort of a, a military force that to control the the city and under the guise of we're saving people from the monsters. Right. And this is an interesting for me departure from Castlevania 3 because at least to my understanding when, when I played through I played through it recently to, for this the, the church kind of recruits Trevor right and in that was one of the things that comes out of that actually that tavern brawl in the beginning of episode 2 is we find out that his whole family has been excommunicated by the church. Right. Um, and everybody blames them for trading in dark magic, and they are the reason why the, the demons have come and all that. Um, and he tries to make the point that you no, know, we, we fought monsters, but nobody really wants to hear it. The, the idea being that people want something to blame. When you know things turn south and it's not going your way, you want to blame something. And the church has very obviously said, this is what you have to blame. And the Belmonts are only one of those things to blame. But walking through town, getting some food, he also hears a story of the sleeping soldier. The soldier war underneath the town of Gresset that when needed, we wake up and be the savior of the town. It seems like the next scene was Belmont being attacked by two Christian priests. The, the and I don't understand. I can't remember how it, that precipitated. Is him walking by an alley and the two priests are attacking an old man. Oh, that's right. And he has that kind of moment, you know, of just, I should keep on walking and all that. And then they keep, you know, pestering the old man, telling him that they're going to, to kill him or, you know, obviously do violence on, upon his person. Um, and as they go to harm him, Trevor steps in and saves him. We, we find out he's a speaker. And it's strange, that could be the moment when Trevor switches from I don't give a crap to I give a crap but it isn't no he, he's still like eh whatever I don't really care I saved you because it yeah. was a thing to do just at that moment and that's a really good point because with the you know the baby being carried off you would say that's the moment that, that shakes somebody and wakes them up and makes them you know stops making them so ambivalent towards what's going on and it's not and I'm sure we'll remember the moment that this happens, but I'm not certain <laughs> that when we do, it will be more significant than the 20 things that happens to lead up to that moment, right? Right. Because, uh, so he saves this old man. The speaker elder, yeah. Yeah, who turns out to be an elder of a group called the Speakers. And then the old man, I think, directly after that takes him back to meet the other Speakers, doesn't he? Yeah, so Trevor says, you know, do you want, I know the Speakers... They're basically like wanderers, right? So he's yeah. going to walk you back to your train or your caravan. It's like, no, we've we've settled here in Gresset. 
Um, but I'd be happy. I'd be very grateful if he walked me back to our house or our establishment. But he walks him back and he meets the rest of the speakers. What we find out is that one of their numbers missing, they went under the catacombs of Gresset looking for the sleeping warrior, the sleeping soldier, right. and never came back. And they don't want to leave until they have found their missing person, their missing member. And that's pretty much the cliffhanger for the end of episode three, isn't it? Yeah, like, so... Trevor, Trevor go help us. says, everybody in this town's going to die. Yeah. You should just leave. Meet up with another speaker caravan, leave, and if we can't, he says, listen, if I find your missing member, your missing you know, party member, I'm thinking D&D terms, your, your missing <laughs> member of your group, we leave. You get out of town because you're going to die if you stay here, right? And that's, like, yeah, okay. For whatever reason, he is starting to care at that point. Right. He still doesn't want to show it, but he's like... Yeah. So I guess he's going through a kind of yeah. kind of an arc. But yeah, that's the that's the cliffhanger. Will Trevor save the uh, missing person? Right. So episode three opens up with him descending into these catacombs underneath Gresset. A couple things have... I think he falls through a trap or something like that, but... Uh, yeah, I just remember a lot of falling, and then suddenly he's... In a room with a monster. He finds a bunch of statues of people, one of which looks like a speaker, and then a cyclops comes in and he realizes that, you know, it has turned all these people to stone. He's found the missing speaker by a bunch of other missing people, but he's more preoccupied with staying alive in this big fight. This is the first time we see him fight something that's not human. Yeah, I suppose so. It feels more like, now this is something like the Castlevania games. Yes, absolutely. Um... This fighting uh, like a monster, uh, which it definitely is. And one thing that we also see that he's mentioned a couple times is that he's not a warrior anymore. He's been out of practice. He's just been kind of like wandering around drinking. His whole family is gone. He's the last of the Belmonts. He just kind of wants to wallow in his misery and sleep under a tree, and that's it, right? And so he's slowly getting back into practice of fighting things that are Hmm. 20 times the size and can bring down, you know, stone columns with one hit. But he kills the, the Cyclops, and all the people who turn to stone uh, you know, are revived back to their normal form, which is less than pleasant for some of them because they've been decapitated while they were stone and stuff like that. But for the speaker, who we uh, kind of find out is named Sepha, she's back to the normal one and, and rescued. She wants to continue down and find the sleeping soldier. Trevor's like, no, we're bringing you back up to your, your grandfather. And you're out of here. Oh, and we find out earlier that the missing person of their group is the elder's uh, grandchild. And he comes back and he says, you don't want to pursue the sleeping soldier. It's not a good guy. It's not a hero. It's not going to save you. It's a trap. Everything that I saw with the catacombs matched the description of the inside of Dracula's castle. Mm. So whatever's down there was put there by Dracula. That's what, that's the conclusion he draws. It's a trap for foolish speakers who come searching for the sleeping soldier. And, you know, if you go back down there, you're going to die. And right. even if you get what you thought you were looking for, it will kill you and die anyway. Like, there's, there's nothing that's going to help you down there. He's basically like, you need to, you need to get out of here. We had a deal. Uh, here's your, your granddaughter. You, there's no reason to stay anymore. And she's like, no, I want to go find the sleeping soldier. This is the person who's going to save us from Dracula 
uh, we need to keep going. And then the grandfather basically guilt trips the crap out of Trevor, completely breaks his word, doesn't leave, uh, right. which is utterly glossed over. <laughs> it but is. it, it kind of struck out to me that like at the end of the second episode, it's like, yeah, that's what it takes to, to get you know my grandchild back. We'll leave. And he seems very earnest about it. And it's a big deal is made of them being very honorable and all that. And then the first thing he does when she's back is like, yeah, yeah that's not what we're going to do. It almost feels like a, a another place where the writers just, like, chopped some things out. Yes. It, it can feel a little jarring sometimes. But, like we said, it's also very, very dense. Oh, we totally skipped over the fact that he gets abducted in the middle of... Uh, Episode two, and the bishop he they, he gets back to the bishop, and the bishop's like, "We're gonna we're gonna fully kill him, all, the seekers." And so when he comes right. back, he's like, "You need to leave because you know not only the monsters are coming, the bishop is gonna come." And the bishop is actually convinced that the uh, that the speakers are somehow um, responsible. They're responsible for. Uh, the monsters that are attacking. It has nothing to do with Dracula. Right. And or... this is the bishop who burned Lisa at the stake. Oh, it is. Okay. Yes. So this is the bishop who caused it all. Um, and Trevor tells him that. You caused it. It's not them. And and there's this moment where he's like, oh, you're just crazy. You're just batshit crazy. You know, you actually believe this. Uh, you're not just like grabbing for power, which obviously he is. But you honestly believe you're doing the right thing and all this, even though you're you're lying and you're abusing your power and all that. And then he goes back and warns them. A lot of different things happen, but essentially what he says is, yes, you are going to leave. You can't stay here. You're going to leave aggressive. And then the next scene is the priest and all that storming the house where they are to kill the speakers, oh, yeah. right? But they're gone. The only person left is Trevor. He proceeds to kick the shit out of all the different priests, which is satisfying but he gets chased by the townspeople who are still convinced that the speakers are responsible for what's happening to them, right? And him being chased away, night's falling, and we just kind of pan out and see all of these demons coming, you know, falling onto the town of Gresset. And that's episode three. Episode four opens up with the bishop in the church. For me, this is one of the most satisfying scenes in the whole show. The bishop is in the oh, church. Right. Um, the door opens. It's very dark. It's shadowy. And he, all he cares about is, are the speakers dead? And someone like, no, they're not. And like, well, we'll just go in and kill them. And, and basically the person who's walked in there and is talking to them, he can't see it, is a demon. Then the gist is, don't worry about the speakers. We're, we're here for you. And the demon's like, they didn't do this. You did this. You lied. You abused your power. Uh, and this is the reason why God doesn't love you. And, <laughs> and that's what he said. God doesn't love you. And he's like, well, you can't come here. This is a church. It's like, this isn't the, the house of God. This is your house. <laughs> and God doesn't love us. God doesn't love you. And and But we love you because we couldn't be here except for you. Like, you brought us here. Uh, and then he proceeds to eat the bishop. Right. Right? Um, head first, if I remember correctly. And it's just like, yeah, I... You, that you just kind of got what was coming to him, and you don't always get to see that, especially somebody who who acts that righteous, you know. And it's a, it's a common thing in in this sort of storyline where if there's a corrupt church, there will be some sort of comeuppance. Yeah, comeuppance is very common. It's not often you get to see somebody basically well, fed eaten. to a demon woodchipper head first. <laughs> no, uh, and I, I I enjoyed it. Quite a bit. Uh, it, it felt like that—that that was what should have happened. 
And then we go back to Trevor running through town, away from the townspeople because they're chasing him, and they corner him, and he's kind of he's kind of stuck. And all of a sudden, he's surrounded by fire. The speakers kind of have to back off, or no, the townspeople have to back off. And we see Sifa again, and it turns out she's got like magic powers and shit. So probably could have used right. that a little bit earlier in the story, but uh, it's convenient now. So we will go ahead and, and manifest those. But she saves Trevor. There is kind of you know a back and forth that happens between one of the last priests and Trevor, and this was another very satisfying kind of brutal scene. For, was he's like you know why are you hiding them the speakers they brought all this upon us and then all the townspeople are surrounding them you know backing up this priest and and Trevor Belmont is like no I know better you know better the bishop caused all of this you weren't righteous this morning when you were trying to beat an old man to death and he just completely exposes right. the church the priest the bishop for what they did and he says you were about to make all of these people murderers I know what the scene's trying to do there. I mean, it's trying to express the turn of um, popular opinion against the church. Mm-hmm. But it's, 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 again, it's kind of like a switch. As soon as Trevor says a couple magic words, the entire village is suddenly behind him and against the church. Yes, but it's not just that it's behind him and against the church, because there's this feeling on Trevor's part of justification and righteousness... And what the villagers do is they just they immediately turn around and murder the shit out of this priest <laughs> in the middle of the, like the street. Like they gather around him and everybody like takes a piece out of this guy. Uh, it is a very unpleasant end for him, and and it doesn't. I I enjoyed it because it felt dirty, like <laughs> like it wasn't that like it it wasn't a clean you know it wasn't closure. It was like okay, well you guys have not redeemed yourselves at all. You've shown yourselves that for the monsters you are, and and Trevor is just kind of like, okay, well, I achieved my goals. It's not great. You guys still kind of suck, but you're not after me it, anymore. I, I guess in a way, the whole show is pointing out how easily people run to find a scapegoat and tear yes. into that scapegoat, no Absolutely. matter what it is, no matter whether or not it's responsible or not. You, you're a little disturbed in that. Yeah, that didn't feel like. That didn't leave me with a warm, fuzzy feeling. That wasn't right? a Hollywood ending. Not at all, right? <laughs> uh, and and I enjoyed the fact that it, it took that step of, of leaving that very safe comfort zone of, oh, we'll wrap this up all in a nice little bow. And it's like, no, we're just going to murder the shit out of a priest in the middle of the road. Which is... Um, and then we're going to move on. That's it. Right. We're done. We're going to move on. That That's kind of the show in a, in a nutshell. Well, but we should get to the end. So next, the demons attack. That's right, but at this point now, Trevor has the entire village on his side, which is good because he's the only person who knows how to like mount a defense against right. these creatures that are coming into town. And now this is kind of a Seven Samurai style bit, yeah. uh, scene where he's helping the village. Him and uh, Sifa, Sifa, uh, yeah. are helping the village to defend themselves against the demons, teaching them. Um, everything you need to know about demon fighting in like four seconds. Right. It, it's it is probably ten seconds, but <laughs> it, it feels a little improbable. Yeah. But it, it works out. And, and but that's not the end. I mean, no, 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 no. You know, in Seven Samurai, the end is they've successfully saved the village, and and uh, you know some people died, but right. everybody's happy. But for the most part, it was, a, it was a good happy ending, and the good guys won, and the bad guys got what they deserved. Yeah. Here it was kind of like, well, we've staved them off. 
for right. a little bit. And I don't remember if there's even a reason for this or not, but they're fighting and the ground collapses beneath them. No, there isn't a reason. And they just fall. And they fall much further than they did the first time in the catacombs. We're seeing a lot more of those, you know, the lights, the the gears that turn, a bunch of uh, mechanical traps for them that they, they almost fall victim to uh, until they arrive at this big lit up room with a stone coffin inside of it. And when they walk in, somebody steps on something. It was a very kind of Indiana Jones moment where I think it was Trevor steps on a button and this the coffin first opens. He's like, I didn't do it. Don't look at me. Oh, that's right. And then out comes the sleeping soldier, right? And Sifa believes in this. Yes, She's very like, much. I want to believe in the sleeping soldier. I mean, obviously she believed in it. Otherwise, she wouldn't have gone on the quest to find yes. the sleeping soldier. Trevor does not. No. And, and Trevor is very... He's pretty sharp. He notices a bunch of things that completely have... You know, Sif has been oblivious to. He's like, well, first of all, you haven't, you haven't been here for hundreds of years. This place is... Um, it's old, but it's not abandoned. There's right. no dust. It's, everything's clean. It's like, how long have you really been here? And the sleeping soldier, well, I don't know. What year is it? And the town was like, oh, well, I've been here for like a year. That's right. It, right? And it's also like, well, and secondly, you're a vampire. Like, I can tell you're, you're <laughs> a vampire. Well, at, at that point, he's like, you're a vampire. All this looks like inside Dracula's castle. You're Dracula. So the conclusion right. that, Simon, that Simon, that Trevor comes to is that you're Dracula and we need to fight because I'm going to kill you, right? Right. But it's not Dracula. It's the person that we saw in the beginning at the end of the first episode oh. who said, you can't do this. You should find the person responsible. And then it's attacked by Dracula. So they fight. They go back and forth. And it becomes very obvious that the fight's a test and that this, the sleeping soldier trying to kind of vet uh, Trevor and what his motivations are. And it goes back to, does he, you know, does he give a shit? Does he care and all that? And so that transition, that evolution of his character that we never saw during that um, is very specifically highlighted in the scene because the sleeping soldier is trying to make sure that he does care about humanity. Right. And once he finds out that he does and he finds out that Trevor is a hunter and that the uh, speaker is a scholar, he stops and says, all right, this is what, what needed to happen. Because there's some prophecy. There's some prophecy, right? There's always a prophecy. There's always a prophecy. <laughs> and, he's, and he introduces himself. He says, I, I'm not Dracula. I am Alucard, the son of Dracula. I've been here to heal the wounds that he inflicted on me a year ago. Um, but the speaker prophecy is that uh, the sleeping soldier will be joined by a hunter and a scholar to destroy some great evil, right? And so right. the hunter and scholar is Trevor and Sifra. They do that thing that cool guys do when they walk, you know, side by side out of whatever the backlit area is, and then credits. Um, so between the the demons, the Cyclop, and Alucard, those are the only fights that Trevor has with non-humans, right? Right. And these are not four one-hour-long episodes. These are four, like, 23-minute-long episodes. Yeah. It's very short. Um, we have taken more time to explain yes. it than if you just went and watched. Yeah, faster, <laughs> just go ahead and watch it. And again, I hope you watched it before, before you watch this. But I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this. Um, I must be jaded. I wish there was more. Why am I jaded about this? I guess I wasn't... I, I, I played a little bit of Castlevania, but I wasn't big into it. 
the, the animation's great. The, um, the story is well enough. The, you know, the characters are really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, every character has obvious motivations, and the pacing is surprisingly well done. To be able to fit effectively an entire arc in an hour, they effectively made an animated movie and then chopped it up into four pieces. But I don't, I don't know what it is that, that doesn't get me excited. Well, I'm the, I'm the opposite end of the, of the spectrum. I'm excited. I was excited since I saw the preview. Hmm. And I'm pissed that they sold me on a prologue. Right? Because <laughs> uh, this is a teaser. This is, yes, it is. It's the, essentially an hour-long yeah, preview. I, I, I got into this looking for like the story. And, and I guess, again, some kind of uh, some closure or just, you know, a, a climax and a resolution. And we literally get what would, you know... And then the story starts. But yeah. no, that's when this ends. This is the... Well, in, in our era of um, comic book character movies, this is the first act where they establish the backstory. Right. Or even this would be the prequel where, you know, the three of them go in and fight Dracula. Right. And, and this is the part, you know, we're going to see of how they got together. Right? Right. That uh, comes out after the main thing comes out or something like that. And, and this is I'm, the Rogue One. Yeah, <laughs> I'm all for. I think it's great, uh, but I would have been a, really appreciative if they had that next season in their back pocket to about right. to, to show me that. Right. Instead, it seems that their strategy is we're going to put this out there, see if it does good. If it does good, we're going to pay for the next season. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that's what happened. That's what it feels like. Uh, the fact that they renewed it for a second season the day the first season came out, I think, is telling. <laughs> But we, now we have to wait for that next season. And in animation, that's a long time. A very long time. And I, I enjoyed the animation quite a bit. The the sound, the music, the voice work. I mean, I thought it was great and, and hit a, almost every beat very, very well, right? But um, I, I'm very disappointed I have to wait probably a year or two for the, for the next <laughs> one to come out. And, but then I don't know that. They've been, Netflix has done an amazing job like with Voltron where they, they spit out one series, uh, one season and spit the next one and and it was didn't feel rushed. I thought they felt great. Uh, one thing to call out was uh, Trevor, Alucard, Sifa, they're characters you play in Castlevania 3. Right. Uh, my understanding there's a fourth, I think it was a pirate character. Maybe they'll be introduced in the like next season. Like first episode of the next right. season, they'll suddenly be in a... Port town, and there's going to be a pirate that. Yeah, or maybe like, I'm, can I'm, I join your group? I'm remembering it wrong, and there wasn't a pirate. I'm pretty <laughs> sure there was, um, but yeah, and again, trying to be true to that material, but still be its own thing, and doing a good job of it. From here, they have to work with the way that they've changed the fact that the Belmonts are not being hired by the church; they're being hunted by the church. Right. It, it seems like in in one way they're going to head more toward the core Castlevania idea of the Belmonts fighting monsters. Yeah, and, and Castlevania isn't even really a game about fighting monsters. It's it isn't? a game about f- fighting the shit you have to fight because it's between you and Dracula. Well, okay. Right? You're, you're trying to get to the end point to kill the thing that's going to make everything else better, right? Which they've obviously set themselves up for in this. But then... So if season two is renewed for eight, for eight episodes, is this going to be eight episodes of them fighting through a castle trying to get to Dracula? <laughs> you know, like, what's that going to look like? Or is it going to be more political intrigue where they've got 
the church uh, still fighting the Belmont. Mm. And, I mean, obviously, if Belmont is now working with a sorceress and a vampire, then he's evil too, right? Oh, yeah. Well, that... that, that... That's already kind of happened. Like they were well, excommunicating him. They, you know, everybody thinks that he trades in black magic. Yeah, he gets jumped in bars. Um, so that that's that's a pretty short trip to sell him being evil to, to the populace. Um, even though apparently he can sway a whole village by in just like two sentences. Yeah, pretty much, <laughs> uh, and convince them to that's black to, magic to murder people. Yeah, what is, what is that second season going to look like? I mean, there's already an army. Uh, of demons from hell all over, you know, the countryside. You know, he's not going to be able to stop and have that train montage or whatever. Like, it's going to be episodes <laughs> of what? Him trying to get to the castle and then through the castle? or You know, I... I feel I like they're going to have to have a twist where he understands Dracula's needs. <laughs> like, I, they're going to get to... They're going to, like... Episode four, he's going to be at Dracula's castle and Dracula's going to be like... Why are you fighting me? They're the bad ones. Very possible, you know. I feel like it's going to have to be something like that because with the pacing that's been established, if it's just, I'm going to go and kill Dracula, <laughs> season two is four episodes. It's not eight yeah. episodes, right? And then it's going to be episode five, a hundred years later. It could and be. And it's like the great-grandson. Yeah, could be. And then we're, <laughs> you know, because the first Castlevania takes place, what, hundred years after this and, and the... Right, in the actual like game lore, so that's very possible that it could do that. They could transition from from Trevor to Simon or something like that. It's not necessarily the impression that I got, but you know, I, I didn't think yeah. it was going to end on uh, not a goddamn thing happening. <laughs> so I could be wrong, you know. Yeah, I'm a little bitter about how that played out. I just I wanted more. I really enjoyed it, and I wanted more. And uh, I was, it was okay. <laughs> Clearly, I'm, I'm, I'm on the uh, the rotten end of the Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> scale for it. That's fine. That's okay. Um, but yeah, that's that's a thing for Castlevania. All right. Yeah, that is uh, the episode. Obviously, we talked about everything about Castlevania, the TV show, a little bit about the uh, original video games that inspired the TV show. In uh, our upcoming topics, we might talk about. Uh, well, more things that are related to Dungeons and Dragons, yes. um, since that is our main topic. Um, computer games, web comics, and there are other forms of media out there that D and D has inspired or um, directly created. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a number of episodes we could do about that. Um, we've mentioned also doing Anatomy of an Encounter, Celebrities of D and D. There's so many topics. If there are any of those that stand out to you twitter is our main jam and we can be found on twitter at dungeon underscore tangent go ahead and subscribe to our uh our podcasts on itunes or google play and you can find us on like i said twitter and there's our website uh dungeonsandtangents.net that's right that's all for this episode thanks for watching Next episode, we get back to D&D and discuss how to structure a play session. If you enjoy Dungeons & Tangents, please let us know by rating us on iTunes. You can also let us know by finding us on Twitter at Dungeon underscore Tangent and sending us a funny picture. That's all for this episode. Thanks for joining us.